Hello and welcome to DKI Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and thank you so much for joining us. This is episode number 130. Joining me on the line all the way from Massachusetts, it's Jays. What's up? <laughs> also, sorry, I'm a bit out of it today. I don't even know if I said my own name. Hi, I'm your host, Joel. Yay. <laughs> well, happy almost Halloween, Jace. Almost Halloween, and I am uh, I am in the spirit of it all. <laughs> yes, indeed. I, Are you uh, planning on actually doing anything for Halloween? I don't think I've ever actually done a Halloween celebration since I graduated college. I haven't done anything in, like, forever. Um, I mean, I'm probably just going to watch Monday Night Raw because it's on Halloween and wonder whether or not the wrestlers will have costumes. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember... One of the things that uh, will always stick out in my mind, even though I don't watch much wrestling, is seeing Kenny Omega's entrance as Sans from Undertale. That, that uh, really, I think that was yeah. two years ago that he did that. Uh, something like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, if, if there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's that wrestlers are just buff acting nerds. And that's about it. <laughs> mm, yes, indeed. Uh, and they well, happen to be big anime fans, so uh, yeah. hopefully uh, we'll maybe have one or two like tune into us one day. Maybe you know. <laughs> who knows? Maybe sometime. Uh, who knows? Anyway, um, so before uh, we went live, um, I just got done watching Housing Complex C. Um, four episodes aired on Adult Swim. They're all up on uh, HBO Max, uh, which is where I watched them. But uh, they're also available uh, if you don't got that and you got cable. You can go on demand and watch them that way. Um, it it fits together like a nice little movie. Um, it was a horror series, correct? Yeah. Um, typical Japanese horror, small town, um, you know, creepy little curse thing going on. Uh, without going into too much detail, um, there's an element of it that kind of reminded me a little bit of... Uh, for, for lack of a better comparison, um, the happening kind of, um, it maybe, maybe like Japan's take on like a Stephen King type scenario. It's, hmm. it's, it's unusual, um, to say the least. Um, but really enjoyable. Um, I was watching it dubbed, uh, since that's how it aired. Um, and the voice acting on point, um, interestingly enough, it takes place in a small little Japanese town that seems kind of uh, displaced in time. It's, uh, apparently, it's set sometime in the 2000s, but it's because of some sort of curse going on, I guess, is, is what they wind up realizing eventually, is that there's some sort of ancient god, kind of, you know, like a Cthulhu-ish type thing trying to reawaken uh, in that town. And, uh, yeah, it's... It's definitely an interesting watch. It is not like anything else I've seen recently. I do enjoy Japanese horror. Um, and yeah, it's uh, because it was co-produced by uh, William Street, Adult Swim. Uh, I, I have a feeling that they had a little bit of sway in kind of how the uh, uh, how the story went. Maybe the one uh, you get to see a little bit of the uh, culture as far as like the kind of xenophobia between the old generation and uh, the modern generation, as there are foreigners who are implied to be of some sort of 
generic Middle Eastern, I'm assuming. Uh, one of the main characters is a guy named Khan, and he's one of those foreigners. Um, and they stop to pray. So I'm assuming it's implied to be Middle Eastern. But it's interesting to see that there are characters of foreign you know, origin who are main characters in an anime uh, as well. So it's really kind of just refreshing compared to like every, everything that we're used to seeing set in Japan and everything like that. Um, but yeah, if you like Japanese horror, you like things like another Shiki, uh, you like your kind of Stephen Kingy type things or, or some Lovecraftian type elements. This is definitely a good little mini series. Just binge it like it's a movie Four episodes. Boom, boom. Each episode's I think like 25 minutes. And if you want, you can even skip like the openings and endings because HBO Max lets you do that. I mean, the song's a bit of a banger, but I mean, outside of watching it once, you know, that gives you the movie vibe right there. <laughs> so uh, might be a little something fun to watch on Halloween if you're not doing anything that night, you know? Yeah, possibly. The tour isn't usually my jam, but I've been getting better with it. It's not even that like, oh, I, I can't handle it and it gives me nightmares. It's just... I don't know, the stress that comes with horror viewing just mm. isn't appealing to me. It's not It's not a fun experience. It, I'm not at the point where it's like, oh, it, it's traumatic or I just, I can't do it. I could never do it. It's just, that's not how I really enjoy spending my viewing time. Yeah, I've never but, been a huge horror person myself. Uh, I, I like the original Saw trilogy. Because it had a cohesive plot. Once Saw Four came out, I threw the franchise in the uh, in the dumpster fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's it. I do enjoy the mystery of a lot of uh, horror. That I feel mystery and horror do go hand in hand because there's usually a question of what is the power at play, what are the rules of it, how can it be beaten, and I found that there will usually be hooks to different horror films or series that I really mm. enjoy and I won't watch them, but I'll go to Wikipedia and look up the synopsis to figure out, Oh, so that's the story. That's how saw ends or, you know, uh, the, the happening or whatever. That's what it all was yeah, about yeah. and why it happened that that's kind of neat to me. And for now I'm just fine sticking with the Wikipedia articles instead. <laughs> um, so this week I mercilessly cut three shows from my Ooh. viewing slate uh, bring it down to a quote-unquote modest 12. <laughs> I've I've let some go by the wayside where I might revisit them and watch several episodes back-to-back. -back. And maybe, you know, if, if those few episodes back-to-back -back catch me, I will uh, go forward with it. Because I finally caught up through season two of Mob Psycho. I'm ready to start that. Uh, up. Oh, yes, that's still the last um, one that I need to actually get into so uh my 12 might become 13 again <laughs> um but yeah the the ones on the uh on the precipice so to speak are uh, shinobi no itoki uh which was kind of cool but also kind of like eh. i never uh, even started that one yeah i mean uh good action decent animation um interesting setup i mean ninja in modern day fighting a you know secret ninja war between clans I mean, it's it's got some historical, uh, you know, real life lore behind it, uh, just with a more modern sci-fi warfare-esque thing going on. But it wasn't enough to, you know, really draw me in because there's so many good ones that demand your attention this season. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, like that's on that's on the bubble. 
Uh, human crazy use on the bubble. Um, it's one of those things where it might be a palate cleanser because it's weird and comedy, just like uh, 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 Pop Team Epic. Um, Bibliophile Princess, while good, doesn't have me going, I must watch this every week. It's um, such a... It's such a quaint show that I'm still yeah. eagerly watching it every week, but it's one of the ones that I use, like you said, sort of either as a palate cleanser or just when I'm in the mood for it. It's definitely yeah. that I'm planning on keeping up with it for the full season that it, it does hit that. It, it's not quite what I would call your average cerebral anime. You know, there's a lot of thinking going on, but inevitably with books that there's. It's a smarter show in terms of its writing and characters, but I can also understand that it is a very slow shoujo. Yeah. So I um, would not begrudge you if that's one that you decide just isn't to your taste, because one that yeah. I did drop this week was uh, The Little Lies We Tell. Mm. And I do want to call out that this was because it was just a little slow and not super funny for me. But yeah, at the same time, I've noticed in the past three years or so, I am a tough customer when it comes to comedy anime. I am mm. a very, yeah, yeah. very tough customer that just, in general, the type of slapstick humor or just, you know, little joke here, little joke there, doesn't do it for me like it once did unless it's something really special like Kaguya. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And especially since there was the obvious point of trepidation with the male character dressed as a female character, in yeah. the show, I want to point out that the drop was not for that reason. That actually, they did something. I'm going to give some episode two spoilers here because everything here is just you know little scene, little vignette here and there. Um, one of the first scenes in episode two is our four protagonists happen to go by a fortune teller stand, and it as it turns out, this fortune teller is 100% legit. That this is not some you know shady uh, just random scammer that this person actually does have the power of the divine and that's part of the joke of that yeah, she actually yeah. is able to tell their futures but the fact that each of these characters has their respective secrets means that she's put in a weird position in various ways that when she sees the cosmos of the alien that she's just utterly confused um but in the case of the guy who was basically forced by his sister to dress as a girl so she could go to his school to be with her crush that the woman says, oh, uh, young lady, I'll tell you your future and I'll tell you about the person that you're going to marry someday. Mm. And she looks into her crystal, crystal ball and see, she sees a beautiful bride. And she has a moment and you hear her internal monologue. And she says, oh, I can't say this aloud because she might not be out. Mm. She said, She even says like, I don't have a problem with this, but I don't know if this is something she's shared with her friends that presumably she's lesbian. And yeah, that yeah. this character incredibly thoughtfully covers for her that she goes in very vague terms and says, I see you meeting the partner of your dreams and you will have a wonderful ceremony together with your families. Just be patient. Wait for the government to move in. This is a gag, obviously, because... Uh, same-sex marriages are unfortunately as of yet not entirely cleared by the Japanese government. Um, mm. So they even sort of take a stab there, but she, you know, the, this fortune teller character says, you know, times are changing, you will get there. So it's actually this just 
unexpectedly wholesome and optimistic moment that I did not yeah. expect from this show. Hmm. The, the rest of the show is still, like I said, just a little bit too slow and the gags don't hit for me personally. Yeah. But yeah. by gosh, I'm going to give this one, you know, certification of approval in terms of like the content warnings or missteps that we'll just call Miss Kuruitsu. Just, mm. just that, that face plant that Kuruitsu took every single week that twice yeah, yeah. now that for the two episodes I saw of the little lies we tell just completely just did backflips and nailed the landing. And I respect the hell out of that. So uh, if nothing else, I do want to give that show props, even if I'm not going to keep up with it just because the writing wasn't to my taste. But at the very least, I can say there was nothing offensive in it. Mm. And that's pretty cool because, you know, it is still an unfortunate situation that the Japanese government is still not getting off its ass about that. But anyways, uh, the other one I dropped was uh, Fufuijo, which was... Uh, I always forget it's more than a couple less than the lovers and gave this up after three episodes that I just couldn't bring myself to care about the characters. They weren't compelling enough for me. And also in episode three, the characters have this really weird emotional arc, which is obviously supposed to be the payoff for the first three episodes of them realizing that they actually like each other and whatnot. And the way that it happens is entirely illogical because basically at one point the girl says, you know, I, I think we shouldn't be pretending to uh, be marriage partners anymore uh, because there is a, a scene, nothing care, nothing bad happens. I'll say that. Yeah. But basically they, they have to realize that they just don't have an emotional connection. And she says, you know, let, let's stop pretending. And so they do stop pretending. And so their grades tank because remember the whole impetus for all of this is the, you know, <laughs> the slightly dystopian concept of a marriage course being a part of graduation requirements in school, which, uh, you know, this is very much the, uh, I don't even want to call it abenomics, but you know, uh, Japan has a birth rate issue and it has become something that they are trying to push in popular media and yep. uh, this is one of those shows. Undoubtedly, it is uh, unfortunately just cloyingly heteronormative. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's unfortunate in its own right. But also, so she says, you know, let's stop pretending they let their grades tank. And then later, the guy goes to sort of reconcile. And uh, she sort of 180s and was like, oh, no, I, I totally know we still need to do this because the school says we have to. Well, if the school says you have to, why did you let your grades tank for however many weeks? It just mm. doesn't make sense to me that the, the that you could say, all right, let's stop doing this extra stuff, maybe. But the fact that they just let their grades slip and then she's saying, oh, but I know we still have to. That is that doesn't work. That's contradictory. So that combined with the fact that, like I said, the characters just weren't getting compelling enough for me. Eh. Yeah, it just no. So drop that one. And then uh there was one other that I dropped and I can't even remember what it was because it was so forgettable. Ha, huh? maybe I'll remember uh, it in a second. Love flops, perhaps? Oh, I didn't even get to episode three of that. Uh did you? I uh I didn't get it to episode three. Um while it scratches a bit of a nostalgic itch for a uh 
for for a wacky like uh harem comedy i mean like and they nail so many tropes that strike nostalgic chords i mean the the purple-haired girl freaking has the hair antenna like naru naru sagawa in love Hina. oh yeah the the ahoge yeah yeah and so it's like there there are so many tropes going wild in that the the teacher and the, the foreigners and this that and the other like there's so much going on with it but i gotta be in a certain kind of mood because they put that fan service out there so hard not as hard yes, as they do not as hard as uh Futokono Guild, which I watched two episodes of now, and once again, I can see why nobody wanted it, because if somebody had, they would have dropped it like a freaking, you know, dropped it like it was hot. <laughs> because it is! It, it would have been another uh, interspecies reviewers situation all over again. So, uh, I gotta be in the right mood and right mindset to uh to watch those kinds of shows so that's going to be my my i'll go back to so i've I've got a few they're all the so my my ones that i'm keeping up with regularly i i'm a little behind on uh raven in the inner palace but uh it's still good yeah it's still good i mean um like it's Gundam, i posted a, in the uh discord actually the utina connections with gundam keep freaking happening because there's a character named Choo Choo. And Choo Choo was the little weird monkey looking mouse. Oh, really? Keep in mind, I have not seen Utena, so that's actually. I, uh, I posted cool that to in the uh, Discord. <laughs> it's cool to see you having all these realizations and knowing that hopefully others who enjoy Utena are seeing this show and being able to have that extra level of enjoyment. Oh, yeah. Um, like, it's it's yeah. weird that it's, these little things keep happening, but I keep up with Gundam. I've been if I had a nickel for every hand. time there was a Utena similarity, I'd have a handful of nickels right now. Yeah, I'd have at least 25 cents now between last season and this season, uh, which ain't bad. I mean... Yeah. Um, management of a novice alchemist is on warning for me just for, again, being a bit too slow. Nothing mm, wrong with it so far. I'm yeah, halfway through yeah. episode three uh, or episode four, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, no, halfway through episode three. And I'm probably going to finish that later and sort of make the call on it. Again, yeah. nothing offensive. It's not like it's completely bungling its plot. It's just, you know, it's a very slow slice of life. And I, seeing that it was management of a novice alchemist, that it yeah. sort of implied that there might be a bit more of a businessy spin on it, which is something that would appeal to me. And so far, it hasn't really gotten into that, that it's... It, there's early signs in episode three that they might be doing that. So I'm really yeah. waiting to see how episode three resolves. Um, but yeah, uh, even so, if I end up dropping this one, it won't be because it did something egregiously terrible. It just wasn't to my taste, wasn't quite my speed, but uh, not one that I'm going to say is an inherently bad show. Mm. And I've dropped bad shows. This is not a bad show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the good thing about, uh, you know, scaling back is uh again like being able to watch things uh dubbed allows for more passive viewing and so uh i was able to get through uh the rest of season one all of season two of mob psycho to catch up on that and i'll probably be doing that with some other stuff since netflix is just relentless with their their dumps uh unfortunately and, and i i say it time and again i hate dumped content because it 
it feels careless. All right, here you go. Like, you know, it's like I said, it's such an interesting thing because for me personally, I also enjoy the weekly just sort of drip feed and being able to have something to look forward to and not the dumps. But it obviously, you know, you know, hashtag not sponsored, but employed by them. The reason that things are done in batches is because in very provable metrics, that's what the broader populace enjoys. We are in the minority. And it's, it's interesting because I believe the metrics did shift a little bit as the quote unquote pandemic ended uh, and people weren't sitting there at home binging things as much. But even so, before then, it still yeah, was a I proven mean, model that, you know, Netflix has done batch releases yeah. pretty much since its inception. And it's, that's it's you know, tough with anime because when you got so many good weekly shows and then they drop Tiger and Bunny two part two uh, and then like just. Uh, last month, you had uh, uh, Stone Ocean Part 2, December, Stone Ocean Part 3. I haven't even finished Stone Ocean Part 2. I didn't even finish Tiger and Bunny 2 But keep part in mind, one. there's some <laughs> folks who, you know, 48 hours after the batch drops, they're done. Yeah, it, you know, I think we're that, just. But a, that's, that's a, also the one downside position. is like people can also like say because they binge it. Spoilers. You know, like that, mm-hmm. that, that drip feed doesn't allow for massive spoilers. And that's the other reason I like the drip feed is it keeps it in conversation longer. It allows you to theorize, you know, like unless the show is to be continued, then, you know, like discussion over. Okay. Did you like the show? Yeah. What did you like about it? Okay. Like, you know, yeah, it doesn't but, allow for what we do at the beginning of this podcast yeah, every trust week. Me, man, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. So, you're preaching to the choir. But like I said, metrics says that sadly we are in the minority of that. So yeah, that's sort of how um, it goes. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're excited for the stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, with things scaling back a little bit, I can now go back to the uh, dubs since they do drop when they do those big dumps, they do drop the dub the same time, and that'll make it easier for me to watch those and kind of catch up and keep up with those uh, that I let slide in the uh, because god damn this year has been too good. I I think I've got it down to like sixteen so far of the top shows, like the objectively top shows, considering that I do have my own subjective favorites. But, you know, if I have to be professional about it, I've got 16 non-biased at the top. So I still need to pare that down to at least a top 10. So, but yeah, um, I think that does it for this week, right? Yeah, um, just about that everything, everything else I mean, has been keeping up that I don't my hero's need to good, do the check-ins for the stuff good. that I haven't dropped. Yeah. You know, uh, Akiba Made War, still amazing. Um, so, yeah. I, I was starting to cobble together a sort of initial list now that we are three, four weeks into the winter season for conceptual top 10 stuff. Now that we've got a, not a full picture, but a pretty clear picture of which series are at least going to be in contention from the, from the winter season. And there's a lot of them. (laughs) There's a, there's a good chance that, you know, out of a top 10 that you'd expect two to three from any given season to be there. They pulled no the punches. <laughs> it's entirely possible that half this list could be winter. And it's not just a recency bias that I went back and looked yeah. at winter. Uh, sorry, not winter. Um, 
went all the way back to uh, yeah sorry spring. yeah of, of winter from yeah. uh from uh, january winter. yeah and i looked at the list of shows from that season i was like you know winter season was totally fine and i realized that there's maybe one show from winter that i would put in my top 10 but i'm also even more likely to just put it in the honorable mentions that yeah. winter was stacked with older shows with sequels and a it's spring and winter are where the glut of my my top 10 are probably going to be coming from so yeah uh, jace you and i are actually gonna have to start having that conversation not now but you know about midway through november that uh, we always aim to have that out either new year's eve new year's day yeah on digital air entertainment There's so uh it's something you have to start thinking about but yeah. it's very exciting it's always fun and just uh the way that we end up coming to the consensus is a fun process so something to look forward to yeah, but anyway conversation Halloween, yes <laughs> we're, we're still a ways away from that but for now it is the height of spooky season and for the last of our halloween spooky shows we're going to go with a bit of an umbrella term and that's yokai and Funny enough, yokai is not a term that I even was fully aware of until Yokai Watch came out some, you know, probably, gosh, was it seven, eight years ago now? Shoot. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because, like, what we don't realize is that. Uh, yeah, July 2013. Everywhere. <laughs> good Lord, it's almost 10 years old. Wow. Yeah. Um, it wanted to be Pokemon. It wasn't Pokemon. I mean,. It was Pokemon in Japan. I mean, it sold a ton of merch. It just it's, couldn't keep the momentum. It was too Japanese yeah. for America. I will applaud them for the uh, names. Localization, that is a hard sell to have to take things that are uniquely Japanese and give them punny names for America. And they Phoenix righted the hell out of it. So, I mean, like, Props to localization on Yokai Watch for it. Um, but we are in a post broadcast, uh, post syndication world now where, unfortunately, if Yokai Watch had come out in the late 90s, early 2000s, it would have been a big hit, just like Pokemon and Digimon were. It probably would have been like a third contender up there. It wouldn't fourth, have, well, you know, here's my hot take. Yeah, if Yokai Watch had come out in the late '90s, early 2000s, it would not have been Yokai Watch. It mm. would have been given a much more localized name. True, true. I don't think that because I, I don't know what they would have called it, but <laughs> they probably would have called it Monster Watch. Because yeah, that makes sense. I mean, either after Monster all, Watch uh, or Spirit Watch or Creature Watch, because for all intents and purposes, that is what Yokai generally translates to. Yeah, and that of it course, is. Uh, you do have the the good. You have the benevolent Yokai, and you have the prankster Yokai, which of course were seen throughout that show. Um, and uh, it, it definitely, I I like that idea of like Spirit Watch. I think that because the the gimmick was the little watch like they probably wouldn't have called it Spirit Watch because in you know late nineties, early two thousands, true that uh, just you know there would have been too many religious folks that would have taken issue with that yeah, probably yeah, and been like, you know, cause goodness knows we had that battle for Pokemon and Digimon. Oh, um, yeah. Mostly but Pokemon, to, uh, for things like, uh, Kadabra uh, and Alakazam. Yeah. 
but it right, just in yeah. general sort of implying spirits and stuff is yeah, yeah. more likely to set off those folks, especially, you know, rewind the clocks 20 years. Yeah. So I feel like if it came out in 2010, it would have been Spirit Watch. If it came out in 2000 or late 90s, it probably would have been Creature Watch or something like that. It, it would be it would be tough because back then you had Pokemon, which they couldn't do pocket monsters due to monster in my pocket. Uh, and then, of course, there was Digimon where they just carried the name over. I don't think that they would have gone with Monster just because at that point you have Pokemon it would have been too much. and Monster Rancher. So at that point, and Monster Rancher didn't really make it that big in North America. It still went for a full series syndication. It didn't get cut off. You got a, a beginning and end when watching it, at least. So mm, fair. I mean, you can't say that about other anime that wind up hitting syndication. After all, Dragon Ball did not make it past thirteen episodes when in syndication. Dragon Ball Z just freaking ran afterwards. So, but. I think that uh, localization and uh, this this idea of what if Yokai Watch came out in another time would make for an interesting subject later on, considering there are definitely a certain number of anime that might have flourished a bit better in that time period if handled properly. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, anyway, so that was actually where I first became aware of the term Yokai, which, like we said, is generally going to be monsters spirits demons sort of yep. but it is a broader umbrella term for supernatural creatures so things that are definitively not human uh and obviously there is a very big variety in yokai watch there's certain series that have a big variety you know uh, mushishi is a big yokai series that that is the whole conceit of it i i think that they're mostly called spirits in that one as well yeah um uh, a lot of times they tend to localize it as spirits. Um, they, it's yokai is such a. Oh no, wait, no, because they, they were just called mushi. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, which is interesting because because mushi usually refers to as like in insects, you know, pests. So that's that's kind of interesting too. That uh, that's how that was handled in the story. But uh, speaking of earlier with yokai watch. Uh, and adaptations. One of our first uh, major, not counting Tanuki Mario, so not counting that. Yeah, uh, Tanuki Mario does not count. Going back to video games for a second, uh, and coincidentally, Nintendo, even though Nintendo doesn't technically outright own it, Pokemon was a huge, uh, as I brought up in one of the previous podcasts, that Pokemon took heavy influence from Kaiju and uh, Ultraman. Pokemon also draws very heavily because it's a Japanese franchise from folklore. And some of these Pokemon are just straight up yokai. Straight up. And I mean, I'll, I'll, drop, uh, I'll drop just a few good uh, examples that we'll probably talk about these yokai a few more times. And then maybe do like a deep dive down in the future. Who knows? But uh, we have the most problematic of the Pokemon, Jinx. Which... Eh. What people don't realize is that Jinx is ice psychic and Jinx is supposed to be Yamauba, uh, which is the mountain hag of the uh, frozen uh, tundras. Uh, the black face of Jinx is actually supposed to be uh, frostbitten skin. 
and the white hair is supposed to be that of an old lady. So, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of it didn't mean to be, or I, I would hope it right. didn't mean to be the racial caricature that it has become known as, but it fell into that hole yeah. real bad. It, it it was, you know, very obviously a cultural difference thing that they, I would hope, I would hope was, yeah. you know, such an innocent thing of, like you said, boxing, because it's frostbite and that yeah. it would still make sense there. But obviously uh, the changes were very good changes indeed, because yeah. Ooh, Boy, was that, that was <laughs> not good. Yeah. Um, but uh, a few other notables, and we'll probably talk about these because they are in a ton of anime. Um, they, they are the most common. I mean, one of them is an emoji. The mask for Tengu. The, the red mask with the big schnoz is a Tengu mask, and that would be the Pokemon Shiftry. Um, and they are bird-themed... Uh, 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 yokai. So, uh, they're usually seen uh, in the uh, the plays and stuff uh, in uh, uh, no theater represented with uh, you. Yeah, there's a character in Demon Slayer that has one. There was actually one in last week's radio drama. There is a character in the show within a show called Crow Tengu, who mm. uh, in that show is, you know, that crow spirit yokai and yeah. everything. So it is funny that you actually bring up Tengu <laughs> in particular because it was something that was part of the show literally a week ago tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, we've got, we've got Tengu. Uh, and then of course, uh, there is the, uh, infamous, we have both, uh, Bakaneko, which are of course cat spirits. And then we have Inugami dog spirits. So, uh, so of course we see those in literally everything. Uh, I mean, case in point, Inuyasha is half dog spirit. Technically he is half demon. So therefore half yokai. Uh, probably one of the most infamous technically yokai in pop culture uh, because of how well-known Inuyasha is. Um, and speaking of dogs, there's the closely relative fox. And boy, are there a lot of kitsune in anime. Because of course, in Pokemon, we got Vulpix and Ninetales. Ninetales literally being Ninetailed Fox. Speak of the devil, Naruto. Nighttailed fox, speak of the devil. Ha, speak of the devil. Yokai mm -hmm. puns. Uh, also, Karama or Yoko Karama, Yu Yu Hakusho. There you go. Another fox demon. And so you can just, I, I think I'd lose count between fingers and toes at this point because I mean, there's, uh, what was it, Helpful Fox Spirit Senko uh, yep. son? Uh, Kamisama Kiss has yep. the, uh, it, that is definitely a Kitsune god of some sort uh, spice and wolf uh is another one um so uh, the list just goes on and on and on yeah, I, I would definitely call um, kitsune one of the most common yokai that is just sort of peppered throughout various series we could definitely do a whole episode on kitsune probably, probably could year, uh to go with the yokai uh themes for halloween yeah, another um, one that we could do a whole episode on, so I don't want to spend too long on it, but I feel we should acknowledge it is Shinigami of just the of idea course. of a, a death god, a grim reaper, that yep. that still is a, that's something that is considered under the umbrella of yokai. So we naturally have a death note, which is 
I would say probably the most iconic version of a Shinigami, followed yeah. probably closely by Soul Eater, uh, not Soul Eater, goodness, um, Bleach, uh, because mm, in the Soul yeah. Society that the the Soul Reapers, the initial translation which is used in the manga and in the anime is Shinigami. That that was a, a localization thing because you know this was early two thousands when more localization was being done. That d- the concept of a Shinigami is not at all prevalent in the West. The concept of Soul Reaper and just, oh, Grim Reaper, Soul Reaper, that it was a, a very logical translation there. And uh, I will say, obviously, the Shinigami in Bleach are not actually yokai. That yeah. they're, they've sort of co-opted that title. Yeah. And it yeah. still fits, for sure. But it, I would not consider the the various Shinigami soul reapers in bleach to be actual yokai themselves, even though they are spirits of a sort that I, I generally consider yokai to be something that is, that has non-human elements at the very least. So hence why like Ryuk and the other one in death note are Rem. Yeah. uh, Again, you could tell I haven't actually watched it, but uh, I will eventually get around to it. Um, but speaking of also Shinigami there, uh, and death, there is also, of course, Botan in, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho is considered a Shinigami, the, uh, uh, fairy woman of the river Sanzu, uh, hence why she's seen flying around on her, uh, oar. And that afterlife is very similar to the, uh, to use the localized term for it, Hall for Infinite Losers in, uh, Dragon Ball Z. It's, uh, both of those have something in common. Oni, another very common yokai. So, uh, of course, you got like your your blue oni, your red oni. Of course, uh, we could tie that into something this season. Lum is dressed like an oni uh, to the point where when he first meets Lum's father in that first episode, he starts chucking uh, <laughs> chucking beans and Adam uh, to try to dispel him from the house. <laughs> Uh, Oni are also very prevalent uh, yokai that you see literally everywhere in anime. Um, and it's always, almost always, a, a pair, a red and a blue. Um, and then, uh, who, God? Uh, we had, uh, well, Momotaro, that there was, you know, the uh, mm. Momotaro show actually just a couple seasons ago that was eh, middling, but. Mm. The, the idea of the, the peach boy that yeah, is, yeah. is raised and uh, there's various tellings of that story that uh, there's this chunk of yokai that are humanoid with various supernatural elements, like you said, sort of Oni or uh, Kitsune, but then there's also ones that are just full on monster uh, or just spirits in general that in all technicality, Mob Psycho is a yokai anime. Yep. So uh, definitely is because we're dealing with uh, uh, malicious spirits. Um, actually, just even thinking of yokai, uh, because a lot of times they are animal spirits. Um, back to the foxes, Naruto. He has the nine tailed fox sealed. You already mentioned that one. I mentioned Naruto? Yes, you did. Well, I know I mentioned foxes, <laughs> but. My God, uh, actually thinking uh, thinking of animals like that. Also, I mentioned the Tanuki earlier with Mario, but this uh, this season does have a 
anime with a tanuki in it, actually. My master has no tail. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, that one is entirely centered around a tan- uh, tanuki. Yep, and of course, uh, the origin, the story of the trickster tanuki that uh, shapeshifts and plays pranks on people. Um, and of course, as we brought up Miyazaki when we talked about witches, we must mention Miyazaki again because they are the focal point of Pompoko as well. So uh, Tanuki literally everywhere. DNA, uh, I think, was another one that had a uh, Tanuki character or was that a raccoon? I know they're um, not explicitly I, a yokai. I think that but... would just be a raccoon because the whole conceit was that they are animals, not yokai. Yeah. So, uh, I, I know a lot of people tried to tie that in because the animal is supposed to be a tanuki and tanuki are usually seen as the, even though being a real animal, usually tie that more in with the mythology and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that goes back to, again, common animal yokai um, because the belief back then Science wasn't a thing. So you had gods, you had spirits. So you had uh, different things like, oh, well, the wind is so cold, it literally can cut your skin uh, when it is, you know, very windy out. And so they came up with a yokai for that. A weasel with sickles for hands. Like, you know, they they came up. Well, there's another one going back to Pokemon. Sneasel and Weavile. Yep. And uh, so yokai were a way to describe the things they couldn't describe. So just uh, uh, Raiju are a manifestation of lightning that are seen as sort of like a dog, fox, weasel-ish type thing that just jumps. Going back to Pokemon, Raikou, and also just the very obvious name similarity to Raichu. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, Pokemon, Pokemon is just a, secretly a yokai and kaiju franchise at this point. Um, of course, there are other kinds of yokai that uh, we don't frequently see in anime. We might see them referenced in gags, um, but we don't frequently see things like the Kasa Obake, so, which is the haunted umbrella. So every everybody's familiar with seeing that image somewhere in an anime at some point. Uh, just seeing that one-eyed umbrella hopping around on the sandal with the tongue hanging out. Um, the idea that certain things, uh, when they have been used to a certain degree and not honored, uh, take on a malicious presence, a malevolent spirit. Um, and of course... Mario, a lot of Mario monsters are technically yokai because like thwomps and womps, like hmm. living wall. That is actually a yokai, a living wall. So I never thought about it from that angle. It's it is bizarre. Once you start looking at the greater like history of Japan and and uh, stuff like that, you start seeing these connections in things that you would never associate like yokai in history with and you go huh um uh nurikare is the uh is the haunted wall uh specifically but if you want a great story that deals exclusively in yokai then you gotta watch and this has been running uh since the 80s uh off and on gegege no kitaro it's uh Kitaro of the graveyard. Uh, you got this kid. He sees spirits. 
he has to deal with them. And uh, uh, Gay's sound of like cackling, um, but it was actually um, a character's uh, nickname uh, because of a mispronunciation of, uh, mispronunciation of the name. But yeah, the most recent series of Gegege no Kitaro is phenomenal. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to finish it. I watched it off and on on the suggestion of Gaijin Goomba because the most recent one found a way to modernize yokai spirits uh, that had to do with malevolent uh, things such as greed and fame and found a way to adapt them to modern times with people like social media influencers and uh, content creators. Hmm. You would never associate yokai with the modern day. And Gegege no Kitaro found a way to adapt it. And it is dark. It, it, looks, it looks all fun. You look at the character. Oh, look at the funny looking guy. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, these, these stories, it is... Pre- prepare for a uh, a feels trip and a little bit of a like even feeling a little like weirded kind of creeped out by some of these things because sometimes you just kind of think is this really what happens in real life if you're the superstitious kind of person like you know this this will actually kind of feed on your feed on your superstition a little bit and, and get you feeling that kind of like when a black cat crosses your path type vibe because and and the thing is Kitaro has been anime, manga, live action, stage show. Um, they even it's one have, of those multimedia franchises that never really got a foothold in the West. Yeah. And uh, even more fascinating, if you want to visit something cool in Japan, where the author's from, they have statues of the yokai in the style of the uh, author throughout the town in like the Aww. shopping district and stuff. So. Uh, it's it's just another one of those like honoring uh, a longtime very well creator in their home area um, while also getting that whole like, oh, wow, like learning about yokai as I go around and shop and eat and stuff like that. It is it is a very interesting uh, little area uh, in Japan, and uh, it is definitely something it is a good Halloween watch like, you know, get into it, watch a few episodes during Halloween, get the, uh, you know. Get the spirit going, so to speak. <laughs> mm. um, uh, one that I did realize is that Rem and Ram from ReZero are technically mm. Oni as well. Yes, yes. Uh, as they follow that red Oni, blue Oni, uh, arc, actually. So they've got that, uh, they've got the look and they're kind of identical the way that Oni usually are because they're always seen with the red and blue in pairs like that. Um, similar to also the, uh, the lion dogs, the, uh, the Shisa, which can't think of any off the top of my head from anime. Um, but pointing back to Pokemon, uh, Growlithe and Arcanine clearly supposed to be Shisa. Uh, mm-hmm. hence why they were originally in the folklore of the anime legendary, despite being yes. a relatively common Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. That they, their classification was the legendary Pokemon. Yeah. Um, there's Natsume's uh, Book of Friends which is mm, it's one I've never seen in its entirety but I know the folks who have seen it really cherish this show that it's it's not a super old one but it's it's getting on in years so to speak Yeah, and it's a fun uh, 
sort of collection that it's a a mostly episodic show where this guy is going around uh, redeeming contracts or making good on contracts with these various yokai that his grandmother had met. Mm. And uh, that you see a whole bunch of different ones in there that it ends up just sort of being a monster of the week or a yokai of the week in this case. But that one is actually a really cool case study of just the the broadness of all these different types of yokai because the different ones that he encounters are different show to show or episode to episode. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, the, the typical monster of the week type, uh, setup, which, which is very common too, uh, when, uh, when you're handling that kind of, uh, story. Um, now we mentioned during our vampires, actually we mentioned it, the past two weeks because of vampires and witches that rosarian vampire had a witch character obviously has a vampire also has a yuki ona uh boom there's your yokai on top of it all vampire witch and yuki ona you got a trifecta right there uh in rosarian vampire um and you see her usually with like her shaved ice and stuff like that uh and everything uh manipulating ice and water uh basically yuki ona the, I would describe them as just being like Jack Frost, or in this case, I guess uh, Jackie Frost, <laughs> <laughs> being uh, being female, of course, uh, Yuki Ona. Um, so, so, so yeah, you can see more than just your typical like. It doesn't just have to be a yokai anime. Um, I mean, I want to say there's yokai presence to a degree also in uh, Soul Taker, right? Uh, do you mean? Soul, or, or eater? soul eater rather uh god soul taker i know that that was soul taker yeah. um that's, that's like 2002 i think anime like yeah that i guess it it's ghosts and demons so yeah i would qualify that there after all uh we we have uh we have our witch who turns into a cat and uh of course we said there are cat spirits it's uh back in echo yeah well it's, actually uh, no the the whole thing is she is not a witch who turns into a cat she's a cat who turns into a witch Oh, well, there you go. Even even more so uh, falling in line more with the yokai than a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, we mentioned Miyazaki earlier, also uh, Spirited Away. You yeah, want... just chock full of yokai. If you want to see as many yokai as you can get in 120 minutes, here you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, have at it. And while you're at it, like open up. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, I want to say it's Matthew Myers is the artist, uh, artist and author who wrote an amazing book about yokai in english uh, like hold, have that book with you because the illustrations are amazing like and watch spirited away and just learn <laughs> like it is it is a tremendous way to learn about like japanese folklore and history through an amazing actually academy award-winning movie so uh, you got yes. gotta throw that one out there actually mm-hmm. um not every day that you get to say that a yokai uh themed movie won an academy award <laughs> yes indeed uh going back to another one that we mentioned last week for its witch aspects we have holic which yes the the main character that is a witch is mostly tending to uh, incidents regarding yokai yep so uh, of course uh, i think one of the most infamous ones that stood out in my mind was um this um myth about injuring a spider and an eye for an eye um it, 
there, there are a lot of superstitions that they touch upon in uh, in Holic that I had never heard of. Um, they are definitely a local or regional thing, um, but local myth and superstition are so fascinating that uh, it's just another thing that kind of drew me into it, aside from Clamp's lanky gothic art style and just me liking Yuko in general. Um, <laughs> that classic uh, Clamp lanky art style that you can also see in Code Geass, and there's your reference. Boom! Um, we do need to start finding more creative ones, and I feel like Clamp as our connection to get our reference in for the week is sort of our scraping the bottom of the barrel last resort, but to be fair, yeah. there really aren't yokai in Code Geass. Now, of course... Uh, we are demon. We are dealing with demons in Chainsaw Man, and yes, that's they true. Do, they do talk about how there could be a car demon, you know, and th there could be a demon for literally about anything, which falls in line with the mythology of yokai. Um, so I guess you could say that in a way, it's somewhat of a modernized, uh, kind of dystopian take on yokai because. I mean, who would really think of something like a chainsaw demon? Like chainsaws didn't exist when yokai were being written about and everything in history. So this is more of like a modern take on that concept. Um, and uh, I want to say it's Studio Mappa who's handling uh, Chainsaw Man, right? Yes. So now here's the tie in here. Uh, and this ties everything together now. Studio Mappa did Sarazanmai, which is a story about three middle school students transformed into Kappa in order to collect Shirikodama. We haven't mentioned Kappa yet, have we? Goodness. No, nah, no. Nah. Which, of course, uh, Ludicolo, Lotad, that line of Pokemon are technically Kappa. Um, but yeah, you got three middle school students transformed into Kappa trying to collect Shirikodama, mythical balls stored in the anus. Because, yes, he's not joking. This is what Kappa go after. Um, Kappa were basically um, their way of explaining hemorrhoids, I believe. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, if, if you had to find a analog to describe because Kappa would come after you and reach up at uh, after your ass while you were going and doing your business. That's the most blunt way you can put it. That was their ancient way of trying to describe the process of having hemorrhoids, I guess. Um, and thus, you once again, things I never really considered and never really wanted to consider. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing. So Sarazanmai involves Kappa, and it was created by Kunihiko Ikahara, who also created Revolutionary Girl Utena. Boom. <laughs> it's huh. all connected. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as we mentioned Utena earlier because of uh which from mercury so um but sadazanmai is an interesting little thing uh just because uh despite being this kind of cutesy story about three middle school students turned into kappa grabbing <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna bluntly say it, grabbing magical ass balls <laughs> It is it is it is a yokai story that is geared towards an adult audience, not towards kids, despite its look. Um, and it is very deep thematically. Um, it is it is very uh, while it's very compressed because it, it was it was a short series. I think it only ran 13 episodes. So it's kind of rushed. 
Um, it is very strongly a story about anti-capitalism on top of it all and materialism. So uh, it is it is more than just a uh, story steeped in Kappa, but it's also uh, it's it's pretty deep for something so ridiculous. And also speaking of Kappa, my personal favorite, Gensalban Sayuki, or just Sayuki for short, or any of the sequels, Sayuki Reload, yada yada. Uh, Sha Gojo, uh, based on the original, if you want to go with Journey to the West, um, Sha Wu Jing, um, if I'm hopefully not butchering that. Uh, uh, but basically, yeah, Water Sprite, or Kappa in the Japanese mythology, uh, their adaptation, their telling of Journey to the West sees uh that character as being a kappa uh supposed to be a water sprite and kappa are the water sprite uh yokai of japan so so yeah my personal favorite right there boom <laughs> kappa as well are uh are part of that um god how many other freaking yokai can we free uh can we can we grab at now uh, I mean, there's a lot, but we're also running low on time. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, everything that we've been talking about today has just been scratching the surface. And we've just sort of been going down these lines of, you know, what has it, what has it, and not even necessarily delving into the, the different nuances. Because obviously, these are folklore characters and ones that end up having variations from telling to telling. That there's certain aspects that are going to be pretty consistent. Usually, they're going to be visual ones, but similar to... Uh, you know, anytime you have folklore being yeah. used in media, that there's going to be variations that, similar to what we had with vampires and with witches, yep. that there's all these different rules and takes and there's no necessary correct version. Yep. But it once again, we could end up doing a whole other show or shows on each of these subcategories and really actually yeah. getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, the variations of kitsune or <laughs> the variations of oni in the different instances and what similarities and differences do they have but uh safe to say if you're looking for some yokai and uh, just you know general spookiness you really don't actually have to look very far and not all of them are even necessarily presented in a spooky manner that these are just pieces of folklore and culture that have become so baked into societal and public consciousness, really, yeah. that they end up being able to be used just so commonly. And it's uh, one of those interesting cultural differences that obviously uh, in the West, we have our own uh, different types of folklore and pieces uh -oh. that are not going to be seen pretty regularly in anime. And that's just one of the awesome things of being able to American see these gods. variations, these <laughs> different creative visions and processes and takes because it, these variations in folklore end yeah. up being the initial threads for which storytellers are able to weave these new stories, these different stories that you don't necessarily get in Western media. And by yeah. the same token, there's a bunch of stories in Western media that you wouldn't get in Eastern media because we have our own. and the fact that you know you do have these similarities of where do these where do these stories and mythologies come from and it's like you said well mostly way way back in the day science doesn't yep. exist and that you have folklore just being a very natural part of life and humanity's attempt at that point in time to understand or justify or at the very 
least even sort of just uh in some cases assure children of things yeah. or sometimes scare children uh <laughs> to be fair yeah yeah you know uh don't do this or else blah 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 Oh, uh, I will say, um, gonna throw out the shameless plug for our Discord uh, right now because we uh, we talk about all sorts of things, including VTubers, and uh, I, I will say that VTubers also take a lot of influence from uh, yokai uh, here and there. Uh, personal favorite of mine is actually her name is pulled straight from a yokai, Futakuchi Ona, uh, which is the uh, woman who has a mouth on the back of her head. Um, the independent VTuber Futakuchi Mana, who uh, Futakuchi, uh, if you look at the kanji, means two mouths. Uh, and her whole thing is she is a singer and she sings both regular singing wise and heavy metal screaming, like death growls, hence two mouths. So, uh, yeah, there's even yokai in VTubers. So if you want to talk VTubers, Join us on the Discord as well, because we talk anime, we talk v we talk literally everything there. There's something for everybody on the Discord. Yes, indeed. Check that out if you are at all interested. We always have fun, different conversations going on. And be sure to follow, like, subscribe, all that jazz here on Twitch if you're listening live. And thank you so much if you are. But if not, you can uh, be sure to subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. Like I said, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Uh, I said YouTube twice, but YouTube also has a trailer for Kokoro no Pro, our upcoming wrestling-themed visual novel being headed up by RJ and Mario. I will be back next week, as always, with RJ on Thursday evening for more Great Ace Attorney. Uh, let me see here. What do we have? I don't... Yeah, so we just had that... Uh, the VOD for our uh, Ace Attorney radio drama from this past Saturday will still be up as of time of broadcast and will be going up on YouTube after a little while. You can check out our sponsor, Image Anime, at imageanime.com and use the code DESCOUNTSHIP, that is D-E-E-S-C-O-U-N-T-S-H-I-P, for free shipping on orders of $100 or more, and you can get digital era entertainment merchandise from merch.streamelements.com slash digital era entertainment. I think that's just about going to do it for us. So thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been episode number 130 of DKI. Stay safe, stay sane, and we will see you next time on Digital Era Twitch. Happy Halloween. <laughs>